0: As you take a seat, would you just welcome someone, give someone a high five, say hey to somebody. Can we give it up for the team as well for leading us this morning? I gave you two instructions there, so I understand why that clap was so quiet. Can we give it up for the team for for leading us this morning? I understand. I gave you two. You're like, which one you want us to do here, man? You got to give us one at a time. Well, welcome to Nova Church. If you are new or visiting again, we want to say welcome. We love having guests here at Nova Church. Like Pastor Mike said, we'd love to connect with you out in the lobby. We'd love to put one of those gifts in your hand. And we actually don't believe that you're here by accident. Uh, whether it's, you know, you found us on Facebook or you just stumbled across us in the black hole vacuum that is YouTube and you're like, oh, look, church online. Wow, there's, there's stuff on here that's redeeming. That's amazing. And whatever it is that you, however it is that you came to find us, whether a friend was like, hey, we're going to go get some coffee and then you're in the lobby and you're like, what's happening now? And you're like, come on into the service. We're glad that you're here. We don't believe that it's by accident. We actually believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you that it's not by accident that you're here, that God is pursuing you with his love and wants to have a relationship with you. And we're gonna get into that a little bit at the end of this service, but right now, if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Romans and chapter 12. We're gonna go there together. If you don't have a Bible, no stress, it's gonna come up on the, the screen behind me in just a second, but if you do have a Bible, turn there. We love the Bible here at NOVA because we believe that it is more than just a book. We believe that it's more than just this giant ancient book, but that it's actually uh, through the course of some 40 authors over the course of about 1,500 years, inspired by the Spirit of God to speak to us in every season, for every generation, for all time, that it is the truth of God revealed to us in order to instruct us, correct us, encourage us, And challenge us to live after God. It reveals God for who he is to us. So we love it. We take time every service here at Nova to open the Bible and and seek understanding together. And so we're going to read together. If you don't have a Bible, you can actually grab one on the way out. There's a stack right by the guest central. We love to put a Bible in your hand. So make sure that you check that out on the way out as well. All right. We're going to read together here. Romans 12. Verses 1 and 2 says this, and it's going to come up on the screen behind me. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. This is Paul. He's an apostle. He had this radical conversion. He was not a Christian. In fact, he was helping to, you know, murder Christians for what they believed. And he's on a way to go and do that. And all of a sudden he has this radical conversion moment where Jesus reveals himself and he he goes blind from the experience. He's like, I've seen the risen Christ. I've been crucifying the risen Christ and everything changes in his life. He becomes a prolific church planter and missionary and he writes all of these letters to these churches. And so this letter is written to the church in Rome, to the Christians and Jewish believers in Rome. And look at the strength of language that Paul is is using here. I plead with you. The image here is like a father figure, a father in the faith being like, please, please listen to what I am saying to you. This is critically important. Give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. And then look at this, verse two. don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn uh, sorry, you will learn to know God's good will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What Paul is saying here is, our job is to lay down our lives. And live for God with everything that we have and and not to live after the patterns and cultures and customs of the world around us but to actually be transformed by the renewing of our mind and live according to God's perfect and pleasing will and so as we dig into this today would you would you just pray with me as we get into this sermon today would you could you do that with me father we thank you so much for your word God, I thank you for everyone who is here and online watching as well. Lord, we thank you that you are gathering a people. And so Father, as we are here, we pray that our hearts and our minds would be open and receptive to what it is that you have to speak to us. Father, I pray that my words would be forgotten, but that your words, your truth, your encouragement, your conviction would take root in people's hearts and that it would flourish. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I have three boys. So I have three kids that are all under the age of six. My youngest is just coming up on four months old very, very shortly. And then we had another son that just turned two. So that was yesterday. Happy birthday to Ellis. And then I have another five-year-old son who just turned five last week. So it's been... It's been a party at the Lido house, literally partying. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but any, anyone with like young kids in the room around five or six, that kind of age, especially boys, we have transitioned fully from the megablock stage, from the Duplo stage, into the tiny Lego stage. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the kind that like, no matter what, no matter how many times you have cleaned the floor, no matter how many thoroughly you clean the room, you sit down on the couch when you're done and you look up and you're like, how is there like four pieces of Lego here? And no matter how frequently you clean, no matter how thoroughly you clean, you are always going to find Lego. And if it's not by looking at it and seeing it, I almost guarantee that when you are walking through the house after you've put the kids to bed and you're turning off all the lights it wasn't there when you went to turn off the light but when you turn around you're like oh what is that and it's the sharpest corner piece of lego it's never just like one of the nice round pieces it's sharp and it hurts that's the phase that we're in right now we are constantly finding lego around the house but he loves lego and you know my son leo if you've ever met him i i think he's really i he's so sweet and he's so smart and I know that every parent says that with like a ton of minds. Like every parent, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, my kid's just so smart. The kid's like licking the wall behind them. They're like, oh, that's just sensory. That's good. He's just learning. It's a tactile experience. And you're like, all right. By the way, that's my kid. He came home from school one day and was like, we licked the seats. And I was like, don't do that. This is mid-pandemic. Like, what are you doing? But he is smart. I promise. He's to the point where he can pretty much, um, he can pretty much build Lego by himself. Uh, you know, he started getting Lego maybe a year or two ago, and he's gotten to the point where if he sits down with it and he has the instructions in front of him, he's pretty much able to do it. So the other day, I walk in and he's like sitting at the table and he's working on these new race cars that he got for his birthday, and and they're they're pretty complicated, to be honest with you. On the box, it says six plus, so that's how I know he's smart. I'm like, you're doing it, and you're not even six. You were four yesterday, right? Like it's, I feel super smart. Um, but he, you know, he's, he's building this car and he's sitting there and he's starting to get a little frustrated, right? And you parents know what I'm talking about. It's a, like that sound, you're like, what is happening? There's a wild animal in the house, it's ah! And then I walk over, I'm like, Leo, what? what is going on, buddy? He's like, it's not working, dad. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing? Like, and I'm watching as he's doing it, I'm like, dude, like that's, that's the outside. Like those are like, the, that's the final pieces to make it look like the car. Where are the instructions? And he kind of just goes and points at the box and goes, I'm just making it look like the box. And I was like, well, Leo, you, you can't. And I go through the process of then trying to explain to him. I'm like, Leo, the reason that you're frustrated is because there's nothing on the inside to support the car. With Lego Buddy, you need to follow the instructions and you need to do layer after layer after layer on the inside before you can put on all the stuff to make it look like a car on the outside. I've come to realize as a parent that if there's 20 steps in Lego, 18 of those steps, you're building it like, what am I looking at here? And it's in the the last three steps that you're like, oh, there it is, as you put all of those final pieces on. And so he's getting frustrated because he's just trying to make it look like the box, but he hasn't built anything on the inside. And I'm like, Leo, where are the instructions? And he goes, i I don't know and i'm like okay well let's find the instructions we found the instructions and then i was like okay buddy do you see how this doesn't work do you see how you can't build the outside before you build the inside the outside structure needs something to support it on the inside and he's like i get it can i just build my lego now and i'm like fine you little five-year-old going on 15 you go ahead and build your lego without me and i'm like do you want some help he's like no i got it i'm like That's cool. I'm like, I'm happy. But you know, I think when it comes to our faith, there's a similar concept at play. When it comes to our life with Jesus, what we sometimes do is we look at Jesus and we go, oh, that's what I'm supposed to look like. Like, that's how I'm supposed to be. We're like, I just need to look like Jesus. So we decide we're going to speak softly, right? We walk into rooms. We don't yell. We don't get attention. We're like, the Lord would speak quietly. So we're just meek and we're gentle, right? We're like, I'm just going to tell those religious people off for being so judgmental because that's what I see Jesus doing in the Bible. I'm going to challenge religiosity. And like, I'm not going to lose my temper. Unless I need to flip some tables, but then that's the only time that I get to lose my temper. And, like, I'm not going to judge because Jesus, Jesus didn't judge. That's what I see on Jesus, and so that's what I need to look like. Like, do you remember WWJD bracelets? Show pants, come on. Throw it up for that one. What would Jesus do? You remember that bracelet? The idea of these bracelets is that you put it on your wrist and when you're at school or when you're at work and when someone is frustrating you, you're supposed to go, what would you do, Lord? What would you do in this situation? And you're like, I need to act like Jesus. But here's the problem. We observe the external visible parts of Jesus and sometimes just try to do that in our own effort and in our own strength. We try to look Like the box. We try to look like the image of Jesus, but we need to build something on the inside to support that. I want to call this message today bigger on the inside. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. The idea and right now a Doctor Who fan is like elbowing someone, they're like bigger on the inside. It's like the TARDIS. Okay, it's not really quite about that, but it's bigger on the inside. Jesus was bigger on the inside, big enough to support what we see happening on the outside. And the crazy thing is that Jesus actually, when we try to look like Jesus, the challenge is that we can do some of that stuff. We can speak softly. I could do it right now. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here today. We can try to do the non judgmental thing. Well, I'm just not going to judge, not going to do it. We can try to speak to religious power like Jesus did. We can do some of those things, but then Jesus starts to do some crazy stuff, right? Like it's all good to be like, I just wanna be like Jesus, so I'm just gonna speak less and listen more and make space for people. It's it's easy to be like when Jesus is doing those things, but then Jesus does some stuff like casting out demons and walking on water and healing blind eyes and healing deaf ears. Jesus touches leprosy and it disappears. Jesus heals people who've been sick for years and years and years. And to just top it off, Jesus raises people from the dead. And that's all visible on the outside. It's WWJD, right? Like get that bracelet gone. We're looking at people having demons cast out of them, blind eyes being opened, deaf ears being open. And we're like, what would Jesus do in this moment? And what we quickly realize, if we haven't built an internal life, if we haven't got bigger on the inside, we try to look like Jesus, but it's not sustainable. And even in church, we do this, right? Like we bring our Bible to church. We bring our Bible to church and we have it all highlighted. Like, when you buy that Bible, you just highlight every section right away. You don't even wait for something to jump out to you. You're like, I'm going to look like Jesus. I'm just just consuming this. We got the Jesus fish eating the Darwin fish on our car. You know what I'm talking about? We got the Christian radio station bumper sticker. We don't watch those certain shows because I'm a Christian. I don't watch those kind of shows. And it feels like we're getting closer and closer. We start actually feeling like, I'm kind of starting to look a little bit Christ-like if I do say so myself. WWJD could say WWMD in a few years. What would Matt do, right? Because I'm starting to feel good, but then someone cuts us off in traffic. Then our coworker says that political thing that you're like, are you kidding right now? Then someone does something to set you off and something inside of your heart comes out and you go well, that wasn't Jesus. That, that didn't sound like Jesus. The, the, the gesture that I gave that person on the highway, the thing that I said to my coworker, the way that I responded in that situation, that, that didn't look like Jesus. And the reason is because if we don't get bigger on the inside, we can't sustain what is happening on the outside. Here's the main point, and I don't want you to miss this. To look like Jesus we actually need to be like Jesus. See, there's a difference between looking like someone and being like someone. If I wanted to look like Pastor Mike, I could do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I am like Pastor Mike. And the call on Christians is not just to look like Jesus and emulate Jesus and act like Jesus and kind of do some of the stuff that Jesus did. The call on Christians Is to actually be transformed on the inside to get bigger on the inside to actually be like Jesus I know it's a crazy thing to say but when Jesus said you're gonna do greater things we read that we're like well but not not really right you mean like the church on the whole is gonna do greater things right Jesus you don't literally mean that I could do the things that you did But an important part of our theology that we need to to really embrace as a church is that Jesus came to this earth fully man. He was fully God, and he said, I'm going to lay aside all of my power, all of my God ability, and I'm going to become a man. I'm going to become a human being. So everything that he did on this earth was as a man, was just as a person, was as a human being. Following the will of his father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the implications for us mean that we are called to do what he did. Not act like it, but to be like him. And if we're going to do the things that Jesus did, we can't just try to act like him. We actually need to change on the inside. It's not just trying to look like Jesus, we need to get bigger on the inside, we need to have a transformation on the inside. And in this verse that we opened with, this is what Paul is talking about, he's talking about actual transformation. In verse two he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now that word transformed, it's not up there, that word transformed, That that is a Greek word, metamorpho. And this word, metamorpho, is two different words together. And meta means um, after or with, and morpho means to change form in keeping with an inner reality. So what Paul is literally saying in this verse is that you need to change the inside and it will completely change all of you. And it's not just as a result of effort, it is by being with Jesus. By being with Jesus is how we begin transformation. This word is only used a couple of other times in the New Testament. Two times it's used during the Transfiguration. Jesus goes up on a mountain, and all of a sudden, his glory is revealed to three of his closest disciples. Elijah's there. He's there. Everyone's freaking out. Peter doesn't even know what to do. He's like, let's build a tent. And Jesus is like, shh, just take it in. That's that word, metamorpho. It is literal, full transformation of your being. That's what we're called to. Another place that it's used is in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed metamorpho into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. This is the picture that we need to understand when you are with Jesus, when you spend time with Jesus, when you are filled with the Holy spirit, when you invite him in, when you are willing and open to the work that he wants to do, he's not just looking at the box and going, just kind of look like me. He's actually making you bigger on the inside. He's building up the structure of your life on the inside so that you can actually reflect him to the world around us. Jesus calls us to do incredible things, but he's not calling us to act like it. He's not calling us to try harder. His invitation is walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Come and be with me. Be transformed to become like me, and then you will go and do incredible things. See, what we need to understand here is that Jesus is not just calling you to act like him. He's actually calling you to be like him. You will become a new creation, bigger on the inside. Sometimes we come into church and it's like, all at once, everything is different, right? And at last I see the light, right? And you're like, that's it. That's the moment I lifted my hand and everything is different. But we need to also be aware that for things to be different, something's got to be different. For things to change on the outside of our lives, we actually need to get bigger and transformed on the inside. When we change on the inside, we become the kind of people who do what Jesus would do. You see, it's not through effort. It's not WWJD. So what would Jesus do? So I'm going to do that thing. It actually is like what I would now do. When we become like Jesus, our natural response to situations is the same as Jesus' natural response to situations. Do you see that? Do you see what I'm saying? It's not just about us trying until we go to heaven and then things get easier. It's about us actually becoming little Christs. That's what the word Christian is. It's a mockery. Of the way of Jesus and Christians were like actually that's ideal I like it I am a little Christ because I am being transformed into his likeness and image the more that I'm with him it's not a matter of effort it's a matter of transformation where we actually get to act like ourselves who are now like Jesus it's a huge difference it's a big shift in the way that we think and team you can come on out and because I got three quick little things that we're gonna hit here. First of all, how do we actually get bigger on the inside? Because you're like, okay, you got me convinced, I'm, I'm with you. How do I get bigger on the inside? Give me something practical. If you're anything like me, you like practical. And the first thing is this, we gotta follow the directions. We need to follow the directions. Jesus came to this earth as a teacher. That means that he actually wants to teach us something. Not just be an example, not just be a payment on a cross, Jesus came to do three years of earthly ministry to teach us stuff. The Sermon on the Mount is essentially a summary of Jesus' teaching. And if you've never read it, go go ahead. Matthew 5, all the way up to the end of Matthew 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And it's like a concise version of what Jesus' teaching during his three years of earthly ministry would have looked like. And there's some pretty intense stuff in there like, love your enemy. Pray for those who will persecute you. If someone slaps you, you just turn that other cheek. You ever heard that expression? Turn the other cheek. That comes from Jesus. If a Roman soldier who was the enemy tells you to go a mile with him by law and carry his bag, you just go too. That's where that term, the extra mile, comes from. Go an extra mile. Do it. Jesus has some crazy stuff like, hey, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. If you have hatred for your brother in your heart, you've already murdered him. And you're like, that's getting heavy. He's like, oh, there's more. Don't judge or you too will be judged. And you're like, (laughs) there's even a line in there where Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And you're like, well, that's kinda, kinda tricky. And then at the end of this, here's the best part. Matthew 7, Jesus says this in verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Jesus is saying, hey, don't just hear the words that I'm saying, do the words that I'm saying. And you're like this wise builder who builds on bedrock, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on a sand. And when the rains come and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now notice what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, I'm gonna send a storm to you to punish you for not following me. He's like, no, no, (laughs) I don't even have to say, life is hard. There are storms. There are global pandemics that mess up everything. There's recessions. There's layoffs. There's the end of marriages and relationships. There's relational struggle at work. And when that storm comes, if you build your life on my teachings and my way, you do what I'm asking you to do. You live how I'm telling you to do. You follow the way of Jesus. Oh, you'll weather that storm. It's gonna beat against you. It might be uncomfortable, but you're gonna be standing. But hey, you don't wanna follow my way? You don't wanna follow my teaching? Well, that house doesn't stand. This is not Jesus threatening. He's just making an observation about the way things are. You see, when my, my son is building his Lego, and I'm like, buddy, look at the instructions. No, you need a six-piece, six by two-piece that goes on that piece he's not like that's religion dad that's rules that are restrictive to my Lego creativity because if you want the end product you got to follow the instructions Jesus is saying I can transform you I can do this it's not religion it's a way to live I'm gonna keep you out of a whole bunch of nonsense that wants to steal kill and destroy John ten ten, and I'm gonna lead you into abundant life you don't need to do it but you're not gonna end up with what I want you to have you take a Lego set you build it against the instructions you're not going to end up with what's on the box it's not a consequence Lego is not trying to hem you in it's the reality of what we're aiming for and here's the thing though when Jesus says that it's like man that's that's difficult so the second thing we need to do is ask for help we need to ask for help John 15 Jesus uses this metaphor of a grapevine to describe our relationship with him. He's saying, I'm the, I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit. He keeps saying over and over, abide in me, remain in me, stay in me, stay in relationship with me, be connected to me, be with me. And then in verse five, it says this, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Not some things, not mostly good stuff. No, you you can't do anything apart from me. Love your enemy, impossible. Turn the other cheek, not gonna happen. Don't look at a woman lustfully, good luck. But apart from me, you, you can't do any of that. But when you're connected to me, when you're in relationship with me, when you are filled with my spirit and my presence, we're going places. You're gonna bear fruit. You're gonna change on the inside you're gonna be a new creation. Things that you used to find impossible to look away from aren't even gonna interest you anymore. Your appetite is gonna change. The things of the world that used to trap you, addiction, things that would hold you back, you're just gonna be able to walk away from that because you're gonna be a different person. Your appetite is gonna change. We need this presence of God in our life to even be able to begin to follow the directions of Jesus. Nothing that Jesus calls us to is easy. In fact, like Pastor Mike said last week, he said Christianity is not hard. It's impossible. It is impossible without the presence of God. This is what Jesus is reiterating here. It's not possible. You're not going to be able to do it. Your own effort is not going to work. Stop trying and start relying on me. Come to me. Let me empower you. Let me pour into you and then you'll be able to do it. When Jesus resurrects from the grave, appears to his disciples who have been with him for three years, these are the people who should know the drill who know how to act like Jesus and look like Jesus and do the stuff that Jesus does but look what he says in Acts 1 verse 4 it says he was eating with them and he commanded them do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before John baptized with water but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit these young disciples who should know the drill Jesus is like don't start without me you need to get bigger on the inside if you're gonna do this thing if you're gonna plant this church you got to get bigger on the inside you need my spirit with you you need to abide in the vine because apart from me you can do nothing so we need to ask for help you know my son was building this Lego dinosaur in the basement and he started same thing, getting frustrated. Different piece of Lego, different frustration. And he's like, "Dad, it's not working." You know, sweet little kid with the most innocent voice you've ever heard. Until he's mad, and then you're like, "Who are you?" Right? And he's like, "Dad, it's not working. It's not working. Can you help me?" That's our posture that we need to embrace. Father, it's not working. I've tried. I've tried to do the things you've asked. I tried to follow your commands. It's just not working. I need. I need your help. And my son, who's trying to build this piece of piece of Lego, eventually says, hey, can you, can you come in and take a look at this? And so I go and I take a look at it, and I'm like, okay, I see where you went wrong, buddy. You built the left leg the exact same as the right leg, so you got two right legs. So here's what we need to do, we need to take it apart. And he's like, no, I just worked, it's hard, I worked on that. But the third thing that we need to do is the first thing, follow God's directions. Number two, ask for help. Number three, rebuild where needed rebuild where needed. He was frustrated because when he put it together, he put it together wrong. And no matter what I did, no matter how I tried to help him, I was never gonna be able to put that Lego together the way it was. In order to get it where it needed to go, I needed to take it apart and rebuild it properly. And there are parts of our lives, parts of our hearts that Jesus needs to actually come in and rebuild. There are parts of our lives, there are things that we have built in, whether it's defense mechanisms to protect us, maybe we have a learned behavior that's not Christ-like, maybe we have an addiction or destructive habits that are built into our life. It's actually holding us back from the image that God made us to be. We are made in the image of God, to look like Jesus. That's what we're called to, but some of the things in our life we actually need to take apart and dismantle so that he can build us the right way. And you may be like, but I've spent years building that. Man, I've been working on that for 15 years. What do you mean i got to change now? I've been working on that for 20. I've been a Christian for 10 years. Why hasn't anyone told me to change that now, until now? I'm seven years in on that habit. I don't know if I can let it go, but here's C.S. Lewis for the win. <laughs> we all want progress. C.S. Lewis, by the way, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, Mere Christianity, one of the greatest thinkers in the 1930s. Go ahead, look him up. We all want progress. But progress means getting nearer to the place that you want to be. And if you've taken a wrong turning, then to go forward doesn't mean that you're getting any nearer. If you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn, 180. Like Pastor Mike talked about last week, repenting and walking back to the right road. In that case, the person who turns back soonest is the most progressive person. There is nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. That's C.S. Lewis, not me, hey. (laughs) Here's the great news. You don't need to navel gaze. Like maybe you're like feeling convicted about things. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit just speaking to some stuff in your life, and that's fine. But you don't need to like walk out of here and be like, I'm going on a year-long retreat where I'm going to find all my flaws. That's not what Jesus is calling you to. What he does want to do is be able to say, oh no, that, that piece needs to change. We got to take this part apart, and we're going to rebuild it. It's going to be better. But let him lead that. Psalm 139 verse 23 to 24 says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Church, that's our posture that's our posture there's a scene and I close with this in Mark 5 where there's a Pharisee standing in the temple courts he's praying and there's a tax collector who comes in but he won't even go close and the Pharisee is praying and he goes God I thank you that I'm not like this sinner this tax collector thank you that I'm not like these other people And Jesus is like, he missed it. He missed it. But this tax collector, he won't even come close. And he gets down on his hands and knees, and he's beating his chest. And he goes, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know what he's saying? I've been on the wrong road, and I need to turn around. I need you to do something about it. I need you to change me. And the beautiful part is that Jesus says, that Pharisee, the religious one, who was like a church leader of the day, who looks perfect on the outside. He had long phylacteries. He had all the religious robes. He said the right things to the right people. He walked away not justified. But this guy, this tax collector, oh, he was justified before God. Because God loves humility. He resists pride, particularly when it's not big on the inside. You see, that Pharisee was big on the outside, but tiny on the inside. That tax collector had done everything wrong, but on the inside, he was saying, come and rebuild me. Come and help me. Come help me follow your instructions. And maybe you're in this place today, and you're like, yeah, I've been living it. I've been missing it. I know the way of Jesus and I maybe even have, you know, but the truth is I'm like that builder who built on the sand and I feel it. I feel those storms and I feel like my life has collapsed. and I'm here because I'm looking for answers. Or maybe you're like, yeah, you know, like as you're talking about this, I, I want that big on the inside kind of life, but I'm not even a Christian, but I wanna start. Here's the great news, if you're in this place and you're not a Christian, you don't follow Jesus, you can't. You can today, you don't need to wait. There's no system that you need to follow in order to be good enough for God. You will never be on your own. That's the point. You need to abide in him. And if you're not connected to him, here's the great part, he wants to graft you in. He wants you to be part of his family, he wants to welcome you and he's saying, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it, come and be with me. So all across this room, if I could get every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room, and you're not a Christian, but you're like, I I want to, I want to start that journey. I want to start following that way that you're talking about. I want that abundant life. I want to be big on the inside. I've tried all the other things, and none of them are working. I've tried building my own instructions, and I've ended up with something that I don't even like. I want what's on the box. I want to be like Jesus or somewhere in between, if that's you, you want to become a Christian today with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed for privacy. Could you just slip your hand up long enough and high enough? Yeah, I see that hand, I see that hand. Anyone else, you want to accept Jesus? You want to start living for Jesus, I see that hand, yeah. Anyone else today? Well come on. We're gonna pray this prayer and I would love everyone in the room to pray this prayer, but particularly if you raised your hand. Would you just repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, say it again, dear Jesus, I thank you that you wanna make me bigger on the inside, that you wanna give me new life, new hope, a new future. So I come before you like that tax collector and I say, have mercy on me, a sinner. I ask you to forgive me and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for these people who raise their hand? That is the best decision that you could possibly make. The best decision. So hey, if you raise your hand particularly, we would love, if you go to the guest central wall, there's a little section there that says, I made a decision to follow Jesus. We would love for you to fill that out so that we can follow up with you and help you start that journey of faith answer any questions that you may have help you get on a bible plan help you pray all that sort of good stuff and you can also grab a free bible on the way out we would love for you to do that i'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go out into that sun is it sunny out there human we're going to go out into that fog and it's going to be humid it's going to be good so let's pray father god i thank you so much for your word lord Again, I pray that your word would take root in people's hearts. Your conviction would take root in people's hearts. Your encouragement would build people up to be fruitful for your kingdom and for your glory. And Father, as we go from here, bless us as we go. May your favor and your presence rest on us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, be blessed, church. The coffee is flowing. If you're a guest, again, we'd love to meet you. Drop by that wall. Have a great Sunday.